Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Good morning, Lighthouse family. Good morning. Um, I hope that you're all keeping well. I hope that you're all doing well today. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Tala, and I'm privileged, as always, to be um, standing in front of you this morning, to be used as a vessel of God this morning, to come and speak to you all. If you're a new guest here in our house, I just want to say a big welcome. We are so happy that uh, you decided to stop by our little corner of the the internet. Um, And yeah, and so today the conversation that we will be having is around worship. Um, And I feel like now, there's no better time than now for us to be having this conversation. And I think that, I mean, first of all, the idea of worship and what worship is, how worship looks like, has honestly been sitting in my heart for a couple months now. And I think that that came to be based on different versions and different sorts of conversations that I've been having with very different people, believers, non-believers, people of different faiths, beliefs, so on and so forth. Um, And what first happened was that I noticed that on Instagram, TikTok, essentially social media, there was very seemingly subtle, weird things being peppered into everyday stuff that was showing up on my feed. And the thing about all of these like, like social media, internet is that the more you engage with something, the more of that type of thing that, that will, sh- will pop up. But what do I mean by like something weird? Essentially, I was just seeing like, like things like hashtag spells, hashtag crystals, hashtag all sorts of people on Instagram lives teaching other people how to cast spells. Like, but the thing is, if you look at it at face value, you kind of get to under, like it just, it seems seemingly unnormal. It's very subtle just the way that it was being peppered in. But anyways, that occurrence just led to me having conversations, like I said, with very different people. Um, And at first we weren't even using the idea of worship. We weren't using the term worship because for me growing up and I grew up in a Christian household going to church every Sunday, to me worship kind of seemed like like a religious word, right? Um, And so in, in these conversations that we were having, people were saying, oh, like, Human beings are made to be focused on something, are made to be consumed by something, are made to, you know, kind of like orient their lives around something. Um, and it was only after doing some research, reading the Bible, sitting in, sitting with God, sitting in his presence, that like it, it, it started to dawn on me that this idea of human beings needing to focus on something, needing to be governed by something, is a form of worship, right? Um, And so, like I said, like, you know, like, as humans, we are built to be connected to and occupied by something, um, and that something looks different based on who you are. So I'm a believer, and my worship is biblical, right? Like, everything that I do, everything that I am is based on the Bible, which is my SOP, or standard operating, I think it's procedure process, I don't know. The Bible is basically my set of rules, my standard by which I live, right? But that's not the case for some people, right? And maybe some people also, and we'll get kind of into this a little bit later, but maybe some people also don't even realize that 
the thing that they are focused on, the thing that they are occupied with, is not necessarily, and I'm speaking specifically about believers now, is not even specifically biblically rooted or it's not necessarily in God. So all of this is to say, this is kind of how the conversation that we will be having today um, kind of came up and you know is coming to be. And my prayer for us this morning is that as we dive into today's conversation, that God will just give us an openness to hear, an openness to see, um, and an openness to be challenged, but not to be condemned by our conversation this morning. Um, amen, amen. All right, so like I said, also, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I feel like I say this every time I, <laughs> I come up on here and I have a, the privilege of speaking with you guys. I am a researcher. I research by nature. I, I'm always like, I want to see the evidence. And that's kind of how I, that's how I learn, right? And so that's kind of how I'm going to be teaching this morning as well. And so after having these conversations around like, what is worship? What does worship mean? I went straight to the Bible and my results, quote unquote, um, boiled down to two, to two kind of streams of thoughts around what does worship mean. So the first one comes from Psalm 102, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. And that says, serve the Lord with gladness and delight, come before his presence with joyful singing. And so what we see from Psalm 100 verses two says, to serve for, to work for, to serve, do labor for someone to be a servant. And to be a servant essentially means is somebody who acts at the bidding of a superior. And so the idea of working for, serving for, doing labor for, I've kind of coined that, that stream of worship as to live for, right? And then the second kind of stream or the second kind of group of what does it mean to worship um, comes from Revelations 4, verses 10 to 11, and I'll be reading the Passions translation. Um, and it says, the 24 elders fell face down before the one who is seated on the throne, and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrendered their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and for your pleasure, they were all created and existed. And so this second stream of what, it, what does it mean to worship kind of boils down to to prostrate oneself. We see that when, you know, fell face down and <laughs> culturally, um, if you're from the Nigerian culture, kind of greeting somebody who is, you know, honorable, you know, let's say you're a son and you're greeting your father-in-law or something like that. Traditionally, you would literally lay face down, similar to what we see in the verse um, this morning. And so to prostrate oneself, bow down, show reverence, do homage to adore, right? And so Revelations 4, 10 to 11 shows us that worship can also be to be occupied with and consumed by or to be in awe of, right? And so the two streams of what does it mean to worship is to live for and to be occupied with and consumed by. And both to live for and to be occupied with and consumed by and in awe of 
are kind of indicative of heart posture because when you're focused on something, when you're you know, like mesmer mesmerized by something, when something is consuming you, that speaks to your heart posture. And then to live for it is the actions that we would take in response to that heart posture. And so with that in mind, the idea that what we focus on, what we're consumed by, dictates the actions that we take, um, we can kind of start to, to examine our lives to better understand, are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping something else? And what can those something else be, right? What are some things other than God that we can worship? It can be subtle. It doesn't have to be super in your face and flashy, right? It can be subtle. That can be maybe worshiping parents, um, worshiping children, worshiping our partners, right? Maybe it can be worshiping your career, your education, your training. Maybe you worship social media or your social class, which socio socioeconomic status. And in that, maybe you worship money. All of those things are, are subtle, you know, it's not like, it's not like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like if somebody saw that happening, it wouldn't be alarming, essentially is what I'm saying. Um, other things that we can worship that are kind of more explicit, right, um, that aren't as subtle as the things that I mentioned before can be things like horoscopes, um, or as my mother likes to call them, horoscopes. Um, and I just, I guess some self-disclosure here is I used to be, y'all, I used to be in, into horoscopes. Now when people are like, what well, horoscope are, I, I, are you? I say, I'm a child of God, that's my horoscope because I'm not concerned anymore about what the stars, what the planets, what Mercury and Jupiter and Pluto, I'm not concerned about what they are saying about me. If they're saying anything about me, me, I don't want to know. I'm not interested, right? I'm concerned with what God says about me and what the Bible says about me because I, my, my, my horoscope sign, I don't even have one, but if I should have one, it's that I'm a child of God. Um, but those are some things. So like horoscopes, right, um, can be things that are more explicit than we, that, that people worship. You know, I've heard of some instances where people are like, oh, so-and-so is a this sign and I'm a this sign. And so it, it'll never work with us because the signs are not compatible. Or I can't enter into business with this person because they're this sign and they're that sign and we're not compatible. And I know that even in my instance, my, my old horoscope, um, I, I'm not, I'm, I was born in October, so do with that what you will, but please don't do anything with it. Um, it used to say like, oh, you're a passionate person um, and you're very stubborn headed and this, 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 that, that, that. And so when things weren't working out in my favor, I would be saying, ah, it's because me, I'm stubborn. It's because I am. And I'm like, why am I validating what the enemy is trying? Why am I literally like feeding into this and putting my own foot in front of myself um, and just tripping myself over and over again? Why am I speaking these things? In I'm not a stubborn person. I think I'm very likable. I think I get get along well with others. So why am I, you know, prophesying and, you know, saying, oh, I'm a stubborn person and that's why things aren't working out for me. So just something to be mindful of. Um, some more explicit things that people can worship, horoscopes, crystals. Crystals are like, I don't know if they're big or becoming big or if they like existed before, 
but I've been seeing people, and honest, I've deleted all of my social media because I just I needed to purge that. But even on on like on Instagram, on TikTok, I was seeing I was seeing people saying combine, you know, the yellow crystal with the blue crystal for prosperity. Combine the red crystal with the orange crystal for 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 love. Combine this crystal, the green crystal, with the, and I'm like, what? what is happening right now? And people will be wearing it around their necks, making jewelry out of it, trying to attract good vibes and good energies and so on and so forth. What good vibes are we attracting, right? Just because it's a good vibe, is it a God vibe? Um, I don't know why I'm screaming, but. <laughs> so what, what, is, what vibes are your spirit discerning? In this season of prayer and fasting, um, and even prior to this season, I know that one of the key prayer points that we have been praying for as a church has been around uh, just a strong sense of discernment, a strong spirit of discernment to be able to be able to see past the physical. Um, we're praying for clarity. We're praying for our eyes to be open, for our ears to be open. And I pray for each and everybody hearing my voice this morning, this afternoon, whenever that you're watching this, I pray for a strong sense of discernment, a strong spirit of discernment to work in your life so that when you're, you know, saying good vibes, amen, sorry, so that when you're saying good vibes and good vibes only and this vibes and that vibes, the vibes that you're actually discerning, the energies that you're actually discerning are energies, not even energies, are just from God, right? Um, but all of this is to say that there are some other things that people can worship um, that isn't God. And it can be subtle, like I said, maybe as a child you worship your parents, you look up to them, they're your role models, but it just goes a little bit further than that, right? Um, you're consumed you're occupied with their praise and you're consumed by their praise and every step that you take in life is in regards to their praise. Um, maybe as a mom, as a mother, or as a parent, um, you know, you're like consumed with your child's life, right? And everything you do is around and surrounding your child. And I'm not trying to say, you know, that all of those things aren't good. Yes, of course, love your child, you know, love your parents, but at a certain point, it can borderline start to become a sort of worshiping of that, and then that's when we know that perhaps we've gone to, too far. Um, right, and so the thing about worship is that we cannot know what, and we cannot change what we do not know, right, or what we're not aware of. There's this very popular saying, um, it's that the first step to admitting that you have, or sorry, the first step to, to solving a problem is admitting that you have one, right? The first step to understanding, am I worshiping God or, you know, is just to become aware of what it is that fuels you, what it is that might take you away from God on a daily basis. Um, because then that can easily start to help us understand what we may be worshiping instead of God. Um, and so all of that brings us to, we're continuing in the letter series, and all of that brings us to our main verse for today, which is 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 4. Um, and actually, sorry, just before we jump into the verse, just to give us a little bit of background for 1 Thessalonians. And so... I sigh because every time I learn more and more about Paul, 
I just, I realized what a real G, like a real G Paul was, like easily becoming one of my favorite people in the, I mean, Jesus, and then Paul, <laughs> becoming one of my favorite people in the Bible because he was a real, he was a real G. Um, and so essentially, just background to First Thessalonians is Paul and Silas, they were just evading the authorities, right? Like, I, you know, when, well, I hope you don't personally know, but when somebody is on trial, um, usually part of the conditions of their trial or if they've made bail or whatever is that they cannot leave the jurisdiction, they cannot leave the city, the country, whatever might have you um, until the charges have either been proven, until they've either been proven innocent or guilty. And so it's evasion or it's fleeing and it's, it's a crime on top of whatever crimes has been committed if you leave that jurisdiction. So Paul and Silas, these mans, they were just hopping from city to city, fleeing, evading, so on and so forth. Um, but I mean, rightly so, because they were falsely accused, right? And so Paul and Silas, essentially, they arrived to Thessalonica, um, which is a major European city, um, after being wrongly accused of civil rebellion. And so civil rebellion in this case was just dishonor um, caused by proclaiming that Jesus is king as opposed to Caesar being king. And so, you know, because they were saying, oh, Jesus is the real king, Jesus is the real king, Roman authorities, Jewish authorities, they were like, this is, bl like, this is blasphemy. Like, you, can't, you cannot be out here saying this. You guys, uh, once we catch you, we are going to jail you. We're going to do whatever we want to you because this is a crime. This is civil rebellion. And so with that kind of like context in mind, they were in Thessalonica preaching the gospel and they had to abruptly leave because of the Jewish charges that were laid against them. Jewish people or Jewish authorities, Roman authorities were, they were on their way. Um, and so they left Thessalonica um, and that cut their work short. And so Paul wanted to go back at a later day, but he just wasn't able to. And so he sent Timothy to go and, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say suss out what was going on, but just to go and see what was going on because the Thessalonica church was still quite young and Paul wasn't even able to fully, you know, stay with them as he had wanted to. And so Timothy went, hung around with the people, came back to Paul with a good report. Um, and the report indicated that the Thessalonians were thriving in their faith, and they had a couple questions around what happens to believers in Christ who died before Jesus' second coming. So this is where First Thessalonians um, comes to be. So Paul sends out the letter, and it's a letter of gratitude. It's a letter of praise. It's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of relief. Um, and it's also a letter to help address some of the, the concerns they had about what happens to a believer who, you know, dies before Jesus' second coming. And so this is different from, from the letters that he writes to the Corinthians or to the Galatians because the Thessalonians, they were not wilding out, we thank God. Um, and so that's kind of the context of where and how the letter came to be. And so just going back to our main verse for this morning, 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 4, 
Um, and also just with the idea of worship at the back of our minds, let's just jump into it. It says, but just as we, sorry, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel that tells the good news of salvation through faith in Christ, so we speak, not as if we were trying to please people to gain power and popularity, but to please God who examines our hearts, expecting our best. And so I think that that verse kind of gives us some good guidelines that help us determine, are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping something else, right? And so the things that stand out to me, that kind of jump out to me in that verse is the first part where it says, approved by God. Approved by God speaks to our authority, right? Um, and so an example of that is, let's say you're a government employee here. Government employees, I don't know if it's just specific to Ottawa or this is how it is in other countries, cities, so on and so forth. But there's different, I mean, I'm sure this is anyways. There's different levels of clearance, right? And so maybe you're at a level two, which means you're not subject to, to, to having information that is level three and above, or level two and above, so on and so forth. And so let's say that your boss is like a level six or something, um, and as an employee, you're sitting at a level three and your boss says, hey, you employee, um, I need this report or this paperwork or whatever, and I need you to go and get it for me on my behalf. Um, so the authority there is then the boss's clearance, level six, even though you, you're sitting at a level three uh, clearance level. And so you're probably more likely to have an easier time getting that required paperwork from whoever you need to contact and so on and so forth because the authority of your boss is backing you up. Now, if you were just level three by yourself and you still kind of needed that report or whatever to do your job, but you didn't have anybody backing you up, then what are you to do? Chances are it's probably more unlikely, probably harder for you as well to get that report. And so the idea of the things that we're doing, you know, is it approved by God? Is it approved by God? Are we getting and gaining our authority from God, right? If we're checking your horoscopes every Monday morning when it comes out um, and you're saying, oh, I can't jump into business with this person, I can't do this, I can't do that. Oh, Mercury is in retrograde, Pluto is sad, Jupiter is jumping, and so because of that, I cannot do this right now. Then you're gaining your authority, right, from the planets, from the stars, and not necessarily from God, um, right. So another thing that jumps out at me is through faith in Christ, right? So through faith in Christ, this is very similar to authority. We're talking about power and works coming from God versus coming from something else. And so if let's say you are um, praying for financial stability, you're praying for, for wealth, you're praying for, you're just praying for money in whatever context that looks like, right? Um, if, your, if your power and your works and your authority is based in, in God and Jesus, then maybe you're doing, you're, you're just doing prayer points, you're engaging in prayer, so on and so forth, knowing that it's God who will let this come to pass. Versus if you are kind of into crystals, 
um, and you're mixing the green crystal with the dark green crystal, with the light green crystal, and you're you know, wearing it around your neck, one is around your ankle, one is a bracelet, and you're saying, money will come and attract me, I attract money, money doesn't attract me, I don't chase money, money chases me, then <laughs> what is the power and where is the power for what you want, where's that coming from, right? Um, so another thing that stands out to me from 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 4 is to please God. Um, and that one is simple, talks about our purpose or talks about our why. Um, and so in the instance of like, why am I doing this? Um, where is this coming from, right? Is it, oh, I'm doing this because mom and dad said so and they know that it's best for me in a context that is further than uh, like parental care for you, right? Am I doing this because I know that like, let's say as a parent that I'm the only person, I'm the only thing that can affect the faith of my child and that's why I'm the one that's doing this as opposed to kind of leaving it up to God, right? Um, and so, like I said, not that as a parent, I don't want to say don't be doing things and like don't be looking up to your parents and stuff like that. I'm just saying that at a certain point it kind of, it goes too far and if you're looking at, okay, where's the approval or the authority coming from? How do I think and where are the power and the works coming from? Why am I doing this? What is my purpose in doing this? We can start to understand, is it God? Is it not God? Anyways, last thing that jumps out at me is expecting our best, right? And that just speaks to execution. Um, and so this also kind of, I mean, they're all related to each other. Um, so they're all intertwined, but the execution of, am I just sitting in prayer and leaving it up to God? Am I sitting in worship and leaving it up to God? Or am I like forcing my hand and doing everything that I can do that is beyond what is in my control um, to make this thing happen, right? And just also as a, like a slight digression, I don't know, I feel like there's something um, that needs to be said, and it's perfectionism is the thief of progress, right? Perfectionism is the thief of progress. And so even in your execution, you have to wait on God, right? It's not going to be, you wake up one morning, you join our 6.30 a.m. prayers, 6.30 to seven, you pray, and boom, at noon you get. It can work like that, but that doesn't mean that it's going to. And so just continuing to wait on God, continuing to be consistent in all of that, knowing that perfectionism is the thief of progress. Because also, let's say you're waiting to execute something, you're waiting to join the fast when you're more spiritually, quote unquote, able or so on and so forth. Let's say you've never fasted a day in your life, you wake up at nine, you start eating at 9.01, right? And just the idea of a 40-day fast that goes from when we sleep to when we wake to, to 6 p.m. is hard for you, but you're waiting until, I can't do 6 p.m. now, so I'll just keep delaying, right? You're not making any progress at all. Waiting to be perfect in what you're doing is not making any progress at all. Instead, it's like, okay, I'll do, I'll do 10 days at, and break at 12 noon. I'll do the next 10 days, maybe I'll break at one. The next 10 days, I'll break at two. And the next 10 days, I'll break at three, right? And then the next year, we'll start three to four to five to six, so on and so forth. Um, 
And so just know that, and that kind of like a digression there, but just know that in, just sorry, just taking it back actually, us examining how we know if we're worshiping God or worshiping something else is based on our execution and, and uh, how we're doing things. And so just to kind of summarize what I've been saying thus far, um, if you examine where you draw your authority from, you examine the power behind it, you examine the purpose or the why, um, you can see how that affects the subsequent actions that we take, right? So like I said, authority, um, the power and the works and the why, that kind of speaks to our heart posture and how earlier this morning I said that our heart posture affects the decisions that we make and that speaks more to the execution, right? And so like I said, is your authority based in being a mother, right? Does your power come from the financial power that's in your bank account? Are you doing the things that you're doing to please others or are you doing it to please God? Um, do the actions that you take, do they reflect your faith in God or do they, respect, do they reflect your belief in good vibes and in good energies, right? Um, does everything ultimately go back to God for you? Um, and so kind of moving into the next phase of this conversation, um, and I hope that you are all still following along, is why do we worship other things that are not God? And honestly, the first thing that came to mind um, was because we don't know who God is, right? We don't know who God is the way that we know our parents. We don't know who God is the way that we know our friends. We don't know who God is the way that we know our children, the way that we know our partners, um, the way that we know, for example, the legal system. We don't worship God and it's hard to worship God because we don't know him and we haven't spent time knowing him. Um, so Psalm 9 verses 10, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version and it says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Um, again, if we go to Proverbs 3 verses 5, this is a very popular verse in the Bible. Um, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? And so this includes your own understanding of your partners, the own understanding of, of your parents, your own understanding of the astrology and the planets and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> just your own understanding. And so I just wanna take us back a little bit here. Um, an example of leaning kind of on your own understanding is Solomon. And so, <laughs> oh my gosh, Solomon. Solomon had 600 wives and 300 concubines, and those were the ones that were actually recorded, right? And so, 1 Kings 11 verses two, um, we see God cautioning Solomon against marrying all of these people, right? Um, and Solomon, you can, you can say to a certain extent, was very occupied with and very consumed by his love of women. And that led him, like I said, to marrying, I can't even, 
a lot of people. That led him to marrying a lot of women, all of whom worshipped very different things, very like various idols, pagan worshippers, uh, goddesses, and so on and so forth. Um, and we see this in 1 Kings 11, verses 4. And so some of the idols that Solomon's wives worshipped included, and I'm probably not saying these names wrong, but that these names are right, but that's okay, included Ashtoreth, Chemish, and Moloch, right? Um, because, and, and Solomon had actually put up shrines and put up like statues and so on and so forth for the, for the idols that his wives worship. And in doing more research in actually what these goddesses and I don't even want to call them goddesses, what these things were and wh where they based their power from, we see that it was based in astrology and in the sacred. So two of them were based in astrology. The third one, was based in astrology and in the sacrificing of children. Oof. When I, when I actually found that out, I was like just thoroughly disgusted, right? And so the whole idea of like, um, like even like just like, like we're leaning on our own understanding of yes, astrology, we're leaning on our own of the horoscopes, but like do we even really understand? Do we really know what's going on? This is where that strong spirit of discernment, uh, that strong spirit of discernment in our lives, this is where we need it, right? Because there is more than meets the human eye there is so many more layers behind what is physically happening around us. Um, and so, yeah, Proverbs 3, 5, um, why we worship other things that are not God is because we're leaning on our own understanding of things, not even fully recognizing that we don't fully understand the things that we think we understand, right? And so, like, would you go and commit and marry somebody that you've only met on Zoom once, in person twice. I would, for your sake, <laughs> for your sake, I mean, I can say that I wouldn't do that, but for your sake, I also hope that you wouldn't do that, right? And it's the same, it's the same principle. Like, how can we expect to worship and to be consumed with and to be occupied and to be focused on God if we do not know him? Um, and so, Really, really briefly, how can we get to know God? This is gonna sound super funny, but date God, right? Um, spend time in his word, spend time in his presence. That is key to knowing God. When you're trying to get to know somebody's son, somebody's daughter, um, you spend time with them, you communicate with them, you kind of suss them out, right? And so another thing, another way for us to know uh, God and kind of develop knowing God is listening to music and messages that reveal his character. But that comes with a caveat. So it's not just to listen to the music and to listen to the messages and then be on your merry way. No, but it's to take what the music and what the messages are saying and then taking it back to the word to do your own research, to do your own um, kind of like, you know, yeah, just doing your own research um, and exploring if it's true, right? If God, if, if a song is saying that God has a reputation of being a man of his word, then go back to the Bible, read about Abraham, read about Sarah, um, the, and, 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 and how he f promised 
Sarah and Abraham uh, a son and how he fulfilled that promise, right? So if, you know, if the Bible, if, if preachings and if, if music is saying, oh, God is our provider, God is our comforter, God is our friend, uh, God is our help in times of need, go back, read about David, right? Read about, I don't, just read about it and make sure that what you are consuming through music, through messages are actually, you know, accurate. Um, and they are accurately depicting who God is. Because you can't just go based on somebody else's reputation of somebody. You still want to know God for yourself. Go and find the facts. Go back to the Bible and find the facts. Lastly, is to communicate. Like I said, you know, when you're trying to get to know somebody new, um, maybe you're married now, when you were trying to get to know your wife, your husband, you know, you'd be smiling at your phone, texting back and forth. Actually, all the married people in this church are, I'm kidding. You guys text? I don't know. Anyways, just in courting. <laughs> I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not calling anybody old. My apologies. But so in that same way, right, communicating with God looks like prayer, looks like worship, looks like fasting. And there is no time like the present time to increase your communication, to increase your engagement with God. We are, what day is day day 10 day 11 it's one day at a time but we are still in our 40-day fast use this as an opportunity to get to know god right and i just want to say as a caveat as well in communicating it's a two-way street um so it's not just hey god and then you dump out everything you want to say and then you pick up your bible and then you leave no it's also sitting in it being still, right? Letting God also communicate with you. And so um, number one of reasons why we might be worshiping other things that aren't God is that we don't know him. Another reason why is that it's because it is easier to worship other things um, because they're more predictable. And like I know in the last point I said, go back to the Bible and find the facts but also know that facts are not a formula. Um, God is not a God of, like the relationship that we have with God, with Christ, is not cause and effect, right? Uh, just because it happened like this one way for somebody else, um, maybe like anecdotally, people you know in your life, maybe in the Bible, doesn't mean that it's going to happen the same way for you if you fast for, you know, if you do this, you do that, you shake three times and boom right? You'll get it. No, that's not how it works because facts are not formula, right? And like I said, just because you have the proof and you, you, you have an understanding of who God's character is, that doesn't mean that you can now use that to kind of, you can't force God's hand anyways, but you can't use it to twist and to force God's hand to saying, oh, well, like you did it like this for so, so, and so, do it like this for me, right? I said relationships are not built on cause and effect. Horoscopes, you know, are built on cause and effect. I've been hearing for the past year, year and a half, that Mercury has been in retrograde. I don't even know what that means, but because this Mercury has been in retrograde, people are saying that it is the cause of so many different things. God is not a God of cause and effect in that way, right? Also, the principle of money. Let's say money is something that you find that you're worshiping, 
principle of money and in the stock market is very cause and effect, right? You put X amount in stocks, you hold it for, I don't know, a couple years, you get this return of investment, right? God is not a God of cause and effect. Facts are not formula. I just want to hone that in. Um, but I think it's also one of the reasons why it's so hard and it can be so hard for us to worship God because it's unpredictable. We don't know. We don't know when our time and our miracles and our, uh, like, we don't know when the things that we want are going to happen. We just have to keep waiting on God. And that wait, that season of wait can be so difficult. But I pray for you this morning that God will just be your strength in the season of waiting. Um, amen, amen. All right. And then the last reason why we might find it difficult to worship other things that are not God is perceived loss of autonomy. What does that mean? We don't like being told what to do. We like to have control over everything in our lives and worshiping other things is easier, right? Worshiping other things is easier because it's that whole idea of cause and effect because we feel like we have control over that. Walking in alignment with God is hard. Relinquishing control to God is even harder, right? So bottom line, and this might be the reason why it, it can be very difficult for us to have God as our only form of worship um, is because God deserves our worship. It's because God deserves our worship. And that's hard, right? Like knowing that I'm doing this and not to say that you're not going to get anything back in return because God cares for you, God loves you, God is concerned about his servant leaders, he's concerned and takes an interest in your life, but all of that aside, we worship God because he deserves, not because he needs it either, God doesn't need us to worship him, but we worship God because he deserves to be worshiped. Right, so transitioning now into the next section here, is how can we worship God? This is a very common way, and I feel like when we say worship, it's the first thing that pops into our head, but it's music, right? Um, John 4, 23 says, NLT, um, it says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for um, those who will worship him in the, that way. So it says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. And this is just a quick digression. The set time is here, guys. It's not, the time is not tomorrow. The time was not yesterday for us to worship God. The but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. So the time to worship God, to let every other thing fall away, and to worship God is now. Um, so how else can we worship God? Through service, right? The idea of worshiping is to live for something, to, to serve, right? To do the bidding of a superior. Um, and we see that in Psalm 100, verses 2, uh, service to God. So that is joining the dream team or joining, you know, just serving God in any way, shape, 
form that you can. Um, another way in which we can worship God is adoring God, right? To be occupied with or to, con- to be consumed by or to be in reverence of or to be in awe of is another form of worship. And that takes us back to Revelations 4, 10, and 11, which we read earlier this morning. And so just, you know, even now, I want us to just take a quick moment in the middle of the service to just offer our worship up to God. Let us adore his name this morning. If you want to type it in the chat section below, um, just exalt the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. We lift your name on high because you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are our helper. You are our provider. You are our comfort. We exalt your name. We bless your name. You are the King of all kings. You are the Lord of all, Lord, Heavenly Father, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And even if it's, you know, on your lunch break, you just feel the spirit of worship come upon you, even if it's something that small, just lifting up, you know, praises, lifting up adoration to God is another way that we worship him. And what that helps us do as well is to remain focused to God, is to always keep reassessing and keep having at the back of our minds um, and just keep pivoting back to God, keep realigning back to God, right? So another thing, and I just want to say that this list is not exhaustive, but another way in which that we can worship God, and like I said earlier, is surrender, surrendering our will, our wants, our desires, our plans for our lives just letting that all go and surrendering it to God. And so, oh, this is such a good verse, sorry. Um, so just before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, um, Mark 14, verses 36, I'll be reading the New Living Translation. Jesus was in prayer with God, right? And it says, Abba, Father, he cried out, he being Jesus, Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. So this just shows us that even Jesus, right? Even Jesus, who knew that the suffering was upon him, who knew that hardship was upon him, he said, please take away my cup of suffering. And then he pivoted right, and said, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. That is such a bold ask, bold ask for Jesus. So how much more courage, how much more strength will it take for us to, 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 to have that ask, right? And so at every point in a believer's life, just making that ask and then yielding to God's will, God's plan, God's purposes for us is, oof, is the ultimate, is the ultimate form of worship, right? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.